So with the cultivation of compassion, again, we start where it's easiest, which is generally with uh, someone who's suffering in our life, who it's easy to feel compassion for. Not the person who's suffering the most, where it overwhelms us, but someone who's, who's suffering some, where the heart naturally feels compassion. It's easy. And again, if, if, if you're in a place where <clears throat> you're kind of burnt out on that, then, then just start with yourself. And as with the loving-kindness practice, it's, uh, it's a similar structure, the actual technique, where we, we bring to mind the person and uh, try to either see them or have a felt sense of them and then connect with their pain. We turn the attention towards the suffering to actually see that aspect or if it's ourself, then we connect with that aspect in ourself. And then the, there's the intentionality, the movement of the heart to be with that suffering with care and tenderness, with that readiness, that willingness to help that just says, may this... May this ease, may this suffering ease. And so just as with the loving kindness practice, we can use simple phrases to both connect with the intention and also to help keep the mind pointed in the right direction help to keep the mind oriented and focused towards compassion. And then the process is one of sensing, is the heart balanced? And we will notice all of the other things come up, the resistance, the pulling away, the falling in, all of that's part of the practice, it's not a mistake. That is the practice. We notice ourselves either numbing or shutting off. And then, oh, come back to compassion. Use the phrase, use the intention to just put your awareness in the, in the right arena. And then compassion may arise or not, but it's just kind of creating those conditions to be in contact with suffering in a balanced way. We tend to use simpler phrases with compassion than with loving kindness. It's often just one or two phrases. Um, my own interpretation of that is because it's... Um, It's, it can be a lot to be with the suffering, and so there's something about the simplicity of just hitting that note 
of tenderness and responsiveness. We're just trying to hone in on that. So um, one, one reminder is, is start where it's easy. Don't start with the hardest thing. I'll, we'll, I'll guide you in, into it. Um, and two, I'll offer a few different phrases. And it's important to find your own. Find the words that really connect with for you to have that sense of, of care, of a balanced caring, of a, a strong, tender responsiveness of compassion. So just turning the attention inwards. Settling the awareness with the sensations of sitting. Feeling the support, the alignment of the spine, and the rootedness in the earth, that steady contact of pressure or weight where your body meets the chair or the floor. body relax around the support of the earth and the uprightness of the spine. Tuning into the breath. And setting everything else aside. Giving your full attention to the experience of breathing.
seeing if you can really sense any amount of stability or ease in this experience. The simplicity and the quietness of just sitting and breathing. Whatever's happening in your experience right now, thoughts or emotions, any mood or sleepiness, seeing if you can make space for that just as it is. needing to change it or fix it. Nothing you need to do here. It's enough to just be aware. some stability with the way things are, just as it is right now. And then I invite you to bring to mind something that naturally calls forth this feeling of compassion. Could be a specific incident or situation. something in your life or at large in the world. It could be a person, a historical figure. Anything that invites that energy of care and tenderness into your heart.
recollecting this situation, moment, or person. Just as a way of aligning the heart with compassion, this willingness to be with difficulty, a readiness to help. Resting your attention at the heart center behind the sternum. Again, feeling free to place one hand over the heart if that's supportive for you. And then calling to mind someone in your life for whom it's relatively easy to feel compassion. Recognizing that this might be you, might be yourself. We start where it's easier, being careful not to choose someone who's suffering so much that it's actually hard for us. Inviting this person into your awareness. And if you can, if it's another person, picturing them, seeing them in your mind's eye. And if it's yourself, just connecting with yourself. Becoming aware of your own heart. Again, if you're a less visual person, then just getting a felt sense of what it's like to be with this person, imagining you were in their presence. and opening to any pain, difficulty, or suffering in their life. Being willing to turn towards and see that aspect of their experience. and noticing any effect in the heart. As we come in contact with the suffering, the openness to care, 
Remembering the deep sense of respect, trust and balance that is inherent in compassion. Allowing each person to live their own life, to walk their own path. If you start to feel yourself getting pulled into their suffering or feeling overwhelmed by it, then to step back, feel your own body, your breath, your spine, the ground. We're not available to help when we're overwhelmed. So rooted in our own strength, in our own well-being, we turn towards and welcome, we meet the difficulty and suffering. And then expressing this wish of compassion with a simple phrase or two. May this pain and suffering ease May you find care and tenderness. Orienting the heart to compassion. May this pain and suffering ease. May you find care and tenderness. Or offering the phrase to yourself. May this pain and suffering ease. May you find care and tenderness. Allowing the heart to care.
gently repeating the phrases, finding that balance of being with the pain without pulling away or falling in. May you feel freedom with this pain and sorrow. May you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. free from suffering and the causes of suffering. holding the person's image or the sense of them in your mind. Being open and sensitive to any difficulty, pain or suffering they may be experiencing, gross or subtle, 
and then allowing the heart to care. I care. I care about this pain. Through this caring, may the pain be eased. I care. I care about this pain. Through this caring, may the pain be eased. If you like, you can stay with this person, opening, attuning to their pain or suffering, and allowing the heart to find care and tenderness. Or you can let their image, their sense go, and turn that compassionate gaze inward Offering it to yourself. Acknowledging any challenge or difficulty. 
any stress or sorrow in your own life. If you can, don't start with the most difficult thing. See if you can meet that pain or that challenge at the edge. At the outer limit of it, where it's tolerable, where it's okay. And just beginning to offer this steady, strong caring to yourself. May I find ease with this pain or difficulty. May I be full of care and tenderness. Ease for this pain and difficulty. Full of care and tenderness. using the words or phrases that help you connect with this balanced energy. Of care, of compassion. Sometimes it might be as simple as two words. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. A gentle accompaniment and reassurance of the heart.
turning towards the difficulty. Being willing to include the pain or the challenge and meeting it with the energy of compassion, surrounding it in care and tenderness. Through this caring, may the pain be eased. inclining the heart towards compassion, one moment, one phrase at a time. May this pain and suffering be eased. May I find care and tenderness.
So just to acknowledge that compassion practice isn't easy, even when we try to start where it's easy, it's, uh, that's rarely the case. It can bring up a lot, it can bring up tears, uh, it can bring up numbness, just checking out or dissociating. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a journey, it's a practice. And um, the key, <clears throat> the key is as much as possible staying balanced. So we, we work to, to find that right relationship, that right distance from the suffering. And for some of us that moves, means moving in actually coming closer to the suffering. And uh, that might be visually, actually imagining being very close to the person. It might be emotionally, actually with intention, kind of um, trying to connect with the pain or suffering or using the imagination or creativity to try to get a sense of our own or another's suffering. Uh, sometimes it means stepping back if we find ourselves feeling flooded. It means um, having more distance either visually or emotionally or somatically, sensing our own body, even taking breaks, coming back into just feeling the sitting and the breathing. So I'd like to use the uh, the rest of the time that we have before lunch for um, any questions about the compassion practice um, or anything from from your practice this morning. Yeah, and just just wait for the mic. Is it Jason? Yeah. So Lindsay will bring you a mic. Oh, and one more thing before you share, Jason. So. Um, In, in any group of human beings, <laughs> there tend to be some of us who feel very comfortable speaking in a group and some of us who feel less comfortable and then the whole range in between. And um, my, my experience of teaching and leading groups in lots of different contexts is that th- the more the greater the variety of voices that we hear from, the richer the learning and the experience. So what I would invite is um, if you tend to speak easily and you've already spoken this weekend to just maybe hang back. And if you're someone who usually doesn't speak, I would invite you to stretch. And even if you have that little voice in your head, going, oh, well, that's a stupid question. No such thing. Sometimes the question that you think is the most ridiculous is the one that's the most important to ask. And if you've got a question or a comment or an experience in yourself or your own mind, I can almost guarantee that there are at least two or three other people in the circle who share that. So it's a service to others to give voice to it. So I just put that out there for all of us to hold together. So please. Um. So there are a couple of people in my life who are, they're experiencing a suffering that 
um, has just been hard for me to have, not have compassion for, but to practice compassion with. Um, and I see it as a, a sort of suffering. It's, it's this, it's a sort of numbness to their lives and to the world and mm-hmm. just like a being stuck and yeah. not having a place to act from. Um, and I've, the reason it's been hard for me is because I find that to be difficult to hold space for because there's not really an acknowledgement between us that there is suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also maybe a judgment on my part that there's suffering. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just trying to hold space seems like nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. just, perhaps that is a time when more action is necessary, but I'm just not sure um, yeah. what compassion practice yeah. about those situations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's a lot in there. It's a rich territory. There's the sense of how do we practice when there's nothing happening or we don't feel any movement to compassion? Um, how do we practice if uh, we're not sure of our perception of suffering in the other person? You know, or there might not, they might not have the same perception. Um, so, a few things. One, it's really important any technique, any practice that we're doing to relate to it as an exploration and a learning. And so these areas that come up where we're like, I'm not sure what to do here, that's actually a good sign. That's a sign to get interested and to stay with it, to see, oh, well, this is great. There's actually something for me to learn here. So it's a really rich area to practice rather than an area where it's like, I don't know how to practice. It's like, oh yeah, that's why I'm practicing is in order to understand this more. So some of it just is just about staying with it and continuing to observe and investigate. Um, Sometimes another person's suffering is clear and apparent and there is mutual acknowledgement or recognition of it. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it looks like someone's not suffering at all. But the, the, the key to compassion practice is refining our awareness to be able to tune in to the, the aspect of being alive that's difficult. And un- unless someone's fully enlightened, there's some aspect of difficulty or stress or pain in life. It's inherent because we live in a world where things change and there's loss and we can't hold on to the things that we like and there's uncertainty. So that level of, even a, on, a, on a fundamental existential level, there is this aspect of life that's shared by everyone where there's a, um, a, a, a challenge to it. So some of it is just is just opening to that possibility, you know. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is is with all of these Brahma Vihara practices, there are there are periods where it feels like nothing's happening, right? That doesn't mean that nothing's happening. 
there's a certain a certain aspect of you could say curiosity or faith of just doing the practice kind of putting the mind and the heart in that zone saying the phrases aiming the heart towards the intention of whether it's compassion or kindness or joy or equanimity and then letting go of the result and the oftentimes the the fruits of the practice show up in unexpected ways in our life and so just the very fact of repeating the phrases is reconditioning our mind. And we might find that through this practice, something happens in life and spontaneously there's goodwill or there's compassion without us having to work for it. And go, oh, where did that come from? But we don't actually see it necessarily in the moment of the practice. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, please. This gentleman with the scarf and... Remind, remind me of your name. Great. Uh, Doug. Doug. Uh, I come from a family of fixers. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's so easy when we see a friend or family member suffering. We want to get in there, fix it. You know, we're immediately passing judgment. If they would only do this, then their life would be so much better. Mm-hmm. Of course, by doing that, we're taking away their agency. Yes, right. Judgment. Right. We're not letting them walk the path. We're not letting them grow on their own. Yeah. So... You know, I, I'm recognizing this and in, in, in myself, and it's like how it, it's always the default to immediately just want to jump in, right? And like, how do I how do I hold back <clears throat> and to be to recognize their pain mm-hmm. and be them there for them, ready to act, mm-hmm. ready to support them, but mm-hmm. not to just yeah fix it. Yeah. And so, are you are you asking in terms of the meditative practice or more the presence in life or both? Both. Okay. So. Um, I love the clarity of your understanding around the pattern. It's right. It's it's obvious that you've explored this and investigated, and you have a really clear awareness of the different sides of it and the the wholesome aspect of it. Like there's that beautiful availability of energy and a certain kind of a wisdom in like, well, this might be helpful, and you're stuck there, and like that the mind can see that, right? But then there's the sense of respect and the sensitivity that like okay, well, what's actually helpful here rather than what I think? Um, so that's a strength that you've, you've unpacked the pattern enough to see all of that. So um, on the meditative side, I think that some of the next steps involve really coming in contact with the energetic experience in the body of that movement to rush in and fix. So as you practice the compassion, you probably will notice thoughts arise or um, a kind of um, uh, a rising uh, sensation of vitality in the body or even a movement forward or a pressure, there will be some kind of emotional, somatic, and cognitive uh, experience of that desire to help. So when that comes up, pay attention to that. Feel it. Become really mindful of it. Get to know that experience really well. And notice, uh, notice the ways in which that experience is unbalanced or stressful. Because you lose your center. 
There's a movement forward out into the other person when we do that. And there's often an, an inherent kind of um, inability to be with, right? And that, that, that's a loss of presence. So, so get familiar with the feeling of it, one, so that you can recognize when it comes up in your life. And two, notice the um, aspects of it that are actually not fulfilling for you. And then in that exploration, keep discovering what true compassion actually is. And then in your life, you can start to observe that and play with it. And then um, one kind of practical suggestion, which is so obvious that uh, I hesitate to say it because I don't want to <laughs> sound patronizing, but it's, so you're probably fully aware of this. And just in case, it's like, you know, um, there's, there's great value in, uh, in offering or checking with someone else. Like, I have some ideas that I think might be helpful. Are you open to that? Would, would that be supportive? So that's always a kind of a welcome uh, expression of care and respect, and it acknowledges the person's autonomy. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. Please. Um, so right now it's easy for me to practice the compassion, but um, in times where you're like caught up in the midst of anxiety mm-hmm. and fear about a situation, for example, like you've taken a risk on something and mm-hmm. you're uncertain mm-hmm. the, what the outcome will be. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of anxiety around the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. uncertainty. How mm-hmm. at that time when you're not thinking clearly, do you kind of pull yourself back to mm-hmm. compassion and mm-hmm. those things? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the challenges of, <laughs> of being human, I think. It's, it's like when we're caught in something, we're caught, right? And it's, uh, that's kind of the, Thich Nhat Hanh has this, uh, one of his books, The Miracle of Mindfulness, right? That's the miracle of awareness of somehow with, within the, um, the trance of our habits, there comes these moments of awareness, right? Where we recognize like, holy cow, I'm like totally stressing out about this. What's going on, right? And like moments ago, we were just lost in the story and the, and the anxiety and the future and the worry. And then something wakes us up out of it and we go, God, I'm really suffering over this. So that moment is really important, that moment. And that moment... Um, some of a lot of our work in spiritual practice is creating the conditions for that moment to arise. And that's why coming to retreats, having a daily practice, reading, studying, talking to people who are on the path, why all of that is so important. Because it creates an inner milieu, an inner atmosphere in which we are more likely to remember, to be present to notice what's happening, to step back. So, 
So we do what we can to create those conditions through our practice. And then when that, when that, when that moment arises, when that moment of awareness arises, um, notice it, and as much as possible, try to be grateful. Try to appreciate, oh, thank God, like some measure of awareness, okay, now I actually have something to work with. And then you can start to use whatever tools are going to be most helpful in that moment, whether it's mindfulness practice, um, compassion practice, or sometimes if we're really caught in something, the most helpful thing is is to uh, try to get out of it first by talking to a friend or going for a run or you know anything that kind of helps us disengage from the entanglement with the anxiety or the emotion or something. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. We have time for maybe one one more. Yeah, please. Thank you. Yeah. I um, would like to follow up on Greg's question. Yeah. Because both of my parents are fixers. Mm-hmm. And while they love me quite uh, deeply, the, it was expressed in a way of, I think, um, control and fear. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's something that I feel that I've personally been able to break the cycle with with my own children, which mm. I'm very grateful for. Mm. But it's very difficult for me to um, have compassion mm. for their inability to be with my own mm-hmm. pain, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And, so, yeah. and I think part of it is because their inability to sit with my own pain hurts me. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, it's a little kind of a complicated feedback. Yeah. Does that question make sense? It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so again, like... Doug, yeah, Doug and Chris. Andy. Where's Chris? He's Doug, okay. Um, <clears throat> so one of, I want to just tie how I'm going to answer your question and how I've been answering questions back into the theme of the of the retreat around resilience. So one of the skills that we develop in practice, I'll talk a little bit about this this afternoon, is being able to notice and appreciate our strength as an essential part of resilience. So being able to appreciate that moment of awareness when it arises, being able to appreciate what I was reflecting with Doug, that the work that he's done to understand this pattern, or in your case, like really being able to take in like how incredible that you've been able to see that pattern clearly enough and have the, the, the energy and the, um, the motivation and the inner resources to work against all of that conditioning and do it differently. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And yeah, we're not perfect and we make mistakes and all of that, but like, so just, just to start there and to really like let that in. And then that starts to become um, a, a platform or a ground from which 
to then move on to this next step, this next level, which is really what it is. is a, it's another layer, a deeper layer of, okay, now how do I start to heal this in myself? And, I, and my, my hit from listening to you, my sense is that the, the, the next layer is actually not your parents, but it's healing your own pain around it. So it's actually the compassion for yourself. And some of that is, is about kind of the, the present day Andy's uh, uh, upset or anger or pain around the, the results of that experience. But some of it is also, um, and this is, a, this is a, a, a tool with compassion, is um, casting your mind back to your younger self and bringing the the wisdom and the strength and the resource that you have as an adult, as a grown man, to that younger child and being able to provide the compassion and the accompaniment that he so needed that wasn't available. So in in offering compassion for ourselves, if it's hard sometimes to access that compassion in the present day, we can uh, imagine or remember ourselves as a younger person or as a child and to uh, have compassion for that part of ourself. Yeah. And it, it will be very difficult to start to open to or have compassion for your parents without first at least beginning to get some traction with being able to hold your own, your own pain and dissatisfaction and anger and hurt and that whole kind of realm of emotions. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. So I wanna shift gears here and um, Maybe just make a few announcements before we break for lunch. So, uh, so one is in um, in in this handout, not the chanting handout, but the other handout on the second page is um, a list of phrases for compassion practice. So, during the lunch break, I invite you to review this. The, that middle section, and uh, play with those phrases and see what speaks to you. And I offered a few of them during the guided practice. Um, but compassion, I find compassion is, is such a, uh, all of these Brahma Viharas, but in particular compassion, the phrases are so, so unique to our person, finding what really helps us hit that note of that balanced relationship with the suffering. So explore those and, and see if, you know, what you want to experiment with, what, what might work for you. Uh, again, on the lunch break, uh, the invitation is to uh, follow your own, listen and follow what feels nourishing for you in terms of whether you stay in silence or not. Uh, something I forgot to say yesterday, but that I wanted to uh, uh, request is that this room stay in silence so that those who would like to be in silence can, can have that in this, in this space and then feel free to 
you know, if you want to have conversations outside in the foyer, out on the deck, and so forth. The uh, the last thing is I wanted to uh, just call your attention to a few things out on the table in the foyer if you haven't had a chance to, to look and um, just let you know about some other things coming up that I'll be offering. And so over the course of the, the next day and a half, and you have some time, feel free to, to browse and, and check them check them out. So one is... Um, one is this uh, this online program that I run called Next Step Dharma, which is a six-week online course that's uh, designed to help bring meditation practice into daily life. And um, I lead it with a colleague of mine, Jaya Rudgard from England. And um, there's a lot of great material in there, interviews with Jack and Joseph and Sharon and Joanna Hardy, who's teaching upstairs today, and others. And then every week and a half, uh, either myself or another Dharma teacher does a live call with a question and answer session about practice. So uh, if you don't live near a place like Spirit Rock, it's a great way to stay in touch and connect with your practice. So feel free to take one of these. Uh, And then I I have a number of um, programs coming up uh, in both this spring, but then also in the fall um, on an area that I I focus a lot on, which is uh, communication and bringing the tools of meditation into relationship through communication, Uh, looking at the Buddha's guidelines on on right speech, and then also integrating the modern practice of nonviolent communication. And so um, there's a a day-long happening here at Spirit Rock. That's an introduction to that work in April. So there's a little half page about that. And then I also have a couple of retreats coming up. There's one here in Berkeley. There's this yellow flyer. It's a six-day non-residential program in Berkeley um, where we'll be uh, integrating mindfulness practice, loving-kindness practice, and then speech communication practice. And I teach the retreat with my colleague Donald Rothberg, who some of you know, who's a senior teacher here. Um, And then if you're feeling a little bit more adventurous, (laughs) uh, Donald and I are also teaching um, the same retreat at Vallecitos Retreat Center in northern New Mexico uh, in this beautiful forest in the middle of this uh, national park. It's, it's uh, wonderful. So there's a seven-day retreat happening in October, and there's some cards for that also out on the table. So feel free to check those out. And if you, if you have any questions, um, just catch me or, or ask, and I can, I can share about that. So it's, uh, it's about a quarter to one. Let's take an hour, and we'll start again at, uh, at a quarter to two. So stay with, stay with your heart. Stay close. <laughs> <laughs>